wanted to share with you one card that was, they're all beautiful, but one card in particular, at least for me, held significance. Somebody wrote on their card, they wrote these words. Last year, I was sitting where you're sitting right now. And all I want you to know is that God sees you and that God loves you. And to the effect is that your story is not over. And it was this beautiful testimony. This is the heart of what we believe on Resurrection Sunday and also every single Sunday. And so whether you are here in the room or you are at home engaging with your whole heart, I want you to know today as we begin to preach, as we were just all worshiping together, you can shout amen at me. You can wave a handkerchief at me. If you have any complaints, however, those go to your MP, not me. All right, just send them there. But I want you to know something, especially for those of you who are new. When you go to the NAC, you walk into an auditorium. But I want you to know as you walked in today, you did not walk into an auditorium. You walked into a sanctuary. And it is fundamentally different. When you go to the NAC, you watch a performance. And unless you really want to be an actor, really there is no expectation other than for you to watch what is occurring. But I want to remind all of us as Christ followers that this is not about performance. It is ultimately about his presence. I want I want to also let you know that today as you came, you are not an audience that I am speaking to. It is a body that we are sharing with the message and the ministry of Jesus. And so your gifts matter just as much as my gifts matter in this moment. You and I, as me pushing out God's word, as you and I pulling on God's word, that this is vital. This is not a show. This is a service. And a service is me using my spiritual gifts, us using our spiritual gifts, so that on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and even Saturday, Saturday, you and I walk out of these doors and continue to serve a lost and broken world in the spirit and the power and the resurrection power of Jesus. So it may look like similar things that are in the world, but when you walk into a church, it is fundamentally different. Amen. Don't lose the heart of that, okay? Oh, and one more thing, one more thing. Some of you, as I begin to preach this morning, you're going to be like, man, does this church ever talk about any other message? It's not my problem. The problem is, is you're only coming one time a year on this Sunday. <laughs> the other 51 weeks, we talk about other stuff. Every time I come, all they're talking about is an empty tomb. Yeah, I know. It's where you're showing up on church. But here's what I promise. If we're talking about faith, if we're talking about finances, if we're talking about brokenness, if we're talking about the Old Testament, here's what I promise you. At some point, here's what will not change. We are going to get to talking about Jesus, 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 Jesus. On Resurrection Sunday or any Sunday. Because with hope in Christ and with hope, anything is possible. But without hope, well, it's true. Anything is also possible. And so let's travel back 2,000 years to the very first Easter, which surprisingly enough doesn't start out in hope but heartbreak. It says, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. Now the spices were prepared for a dead body. Their expectation was to find a dead body, the body of Jesus, and to prepare it as was custom. But they quickly discover that the death of Christ is unlike any other death in human history. That this day was going to be unlike any other day. From that moment all the way until this one. 
And here's what it says in Luke chapter 24, verses two to four. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, which was a miracle in and of itself. But when they went in, they did not find the body of Jesus. And while they were perplexed, I love the word perplexed. Let's be honest, it was a lot more than perplexed. While they were perplexed about this, here's the word, behold. Everyone say behold. Behold. See, the tomb was where it should be, and the stone maybe not exactly where it should be or where it was, but it was still there. But the body of Jesus was not found. And here is what is true of every single human heart, is there is always a gap between what God is doing and our understanding of it. If you have not lived long enough, you will discover it in your life that there are sometimes you're asking God to zig and he's over there zagging. There are sometimes when you're believing God to do this and it seems as though he is silent to that. And these moments are connected that you and I, even in following Jesus, if you're here and you're, you're, you're new to faith or you've never given your life to Christ, we can be perplexed. But there's this word in here that is behold. And when we are perplexed, when God doesn't do what we think God should do, what you behold, be very cautious of because you will eventually become especially and in particular when hope is lost or we don't understand what God is doing or why something is the way it is. And so the angels, they ask these perplexed women an equally odd question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? It's a profound question really that still these angels said thousands of years ago that echoes just as powerfully in 2022. Why do you still seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. The question of the first Easter morning again is still a question which applies today and it's are you living on the right side of the resurrection? Why do you look for life in, in dead things? They may be good things. But they're just temporal things. How many of you in your pockets or in your possession right now have a smartphone? Can I see your hands, please? Oh, how many of you know you say, da, 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 don't touch that thing. Don't talk about that thing. That thing, I need that thing. Without that thing, I don't know what to do. I, walk into a coffee, I walked into a coffee shop a few weeks ago and someone was standing there with no smartphone, just standing in line like a psycho waiting to order. <laughs> everybody began to be nervous. Like, what are you doing right now? Why? Everybody else was like this. And he was just standing there. We didn't know what was going to happen. He was just, turns out he was just ordering coffee. <laughs> he was just enjoying some silence. But it's an amazing thing, right? When you get that phone, you're like, man, oh man, it's the best thing ever. And then the next one comes out. And you're like, this is a dead thing. I want the new thing. <laughs> oh, we live our lives in pursuit of things. Like there's this promotion and then there's another promotion. And then there's this and then there's another that. We are always in search. Why are you looking for life? in dead things. Now, I'm saying they're not bad things. There can be dead things. It's the question. Are we living on the right side of the resurrection? The resurrection, you see, changed everything. As pastor and author Timothy Keller shares that Christ's resurrection not only gives you hope for a future, but it gives you hope to handle your scars right now. And not one of us today doesn't have wounds and scars. If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. In other words, Jesus ain't no buffet. And that was perfect grammar. Jesus isn't a buffet where you get to pick and choose what you like. You have to accept all that he said, but if he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about anything that he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you or I like his teachings, but whether or not he rose from the dead. 
And so for you and I to experience hope, Jesus has to touch our hearts. And some of our hearts today, the condition of us, they're calloused and they're hard, perhaps due to unbelief, or as I've already mentioned, others due to wounding. And this is one of the reasons why I particularly love the Easter story. Because yes, absolutely, it requires faith to believe. But to believe in anything requires faith. One of the things that all of us share, whether we are Christ followers or not, is every single one of us put faith in what we believe. It's this misnomer that Christians are believers and others are unbelievers. No, we may believe differently in Jesus, but each human exercises faith in their beliefs. And I love the Easter story because one of the things that it isn't is it is not a fairy tale. It does not gloss over life's most profound difficulties and pain. Jesus never shies away from difficult things. In fact, he will always, if you read his teachings in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you read his life, one of the things you see then is the same thing he does today and that Jesus will always risk Whoa, whoa. Jesus will always risk his reputation for your redemption. He is unconcerned about other people's opinion of him. He is focused on reaching his heart and hand of love to you. Did you know that the message, ladies, listen up. I am cueing you for a woot woot moment here. COVID has made us all lazy, okay? It's made all of us lazy. Just going to... So we're stretching some church muscles again here. Did you know that the message of the resurrection of Jesus, which is the foundation for the Christian faith, was first entrusted to women? <laughs> you see, one of the reasons why women don't even like whoop whoop that moment is like, yeah. <laughs> it's not shocking to us. It's not shocking at all. Like when we're getting ready for something, it's just not shocking that he would do that, but he does. Who then the women receive the message of the resurrection, which again is a pretty important part of following Jesus. It's pretty central to the doctrine of what it means to follow Jesus. One could say that in this moment, though they never had, but culture always tries to silence, but Jesus gives a voice to every single one, including women in this moment. And the women preach the gospel first to the men. That'll preach in today's 2022, but it'll also get me emails once again, not to me, to your MP. <laughs> Scholars describe this as a divine moment of redemption, pointing back to the original story in Genesis where Adam is given a duty by God to not only tend the garden, but also guard all that is in the garden, including Eve. But Adam falls short, and then together they sin. And sin always comes with the story of blame. And you hear it today. You hear even the wrestle with it today. Well, who's most to blame? The men or the man or the woman? Bottom line, they both sin. Sin and part of its consequence is blame. But Jesus, everyone say, but Jesus. Oh, but Jesus is our perfect Adam. 
He's our better Adam who never falls even a fracture short. And so wouldn't it just be like God to redeem anything and everything that the enemy had stolen in this profound moment in trusting the message of the gospel to these group of women? And here's another question I ask you on this Resurrection Sunday. Are you waiting for something to be redeemed in your life? And I know waiting is hard and it's long, but from Genesis to Resurrection Sunday is a long time, but here's the problem. Have hope. God never forgets. He is right on time. Not our time, but he is right on time. And it says that the women rushed to the disciples to tell them the news as Jesus is alive. And something, again, completely unsurprising happens. The women run from the tomb. They know Jesus is alive. He is not dead. They deliver the words to the men, and the men don't believe the women. As much as things have changed, they really stay the same. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Oh, beloved, be very careful when your heart is in a broken state what you believe, because you can believe your pain more than the truth. You can believe in your wounding has greater authority than by his wounds and stripes you can be healed. When hope, when Jesus died, the disciples are heartbroken. And our hearts, too, can be broken, in particular in this cultural moment, when you see church after church and leader after leader fall short. But maybe, just maybe, one of the things that the Holy Spirit is trying to rid from the church is hype so that we can have anchored hope. Perhaps one of the things that the Lord is trying to do is to push out fanaticism so we can just have an abiding, anchored faith in who Christ is plus nothing. When Jesus said it is finished, he don't need us to add anything to its work. It's done. And it's God on that first Easter morning. He wasn't doing something halfway. He was doing something brand new. And so you may be here or you may be at home today and you are struggling with unbelief. You're struggling perhaps even with doubt. As we've mentioned now a couple of times and we'll mention one more. Perhaps you've been wounded by not Jesus, but those of us who are his followers, who call ourselves Christians. And it may be hard for you to see clearly or see Jesus clearly because of through your unbelief or through your doubt or through your wounding, because here's what is true of every single human heart, is in doubt and in unbelief and in wounding, in these moments when these occur in our lives, we then begin to define Jesus by what happened to us and not by what Jesus did for us. And this doesn't make you anything other than human you don't have to be superhuman. It's what happens to our hearts that we get stuck and we can't see Jesus clearly because of doubt or unbelief or wounding. And it's what I love about the Easter story and the immediate pages that follow that once again, these are all found. These are elements that are all found between the first disciples and following faith. But you can take hope. Because if you can't see clearly, if you can't see Jesus clearly today, please know that Jesus sees clearly where you are and what you need. As we've already covered, he does give women a voice and he ministers to two of his disciples, all of them, but two that will tease out, Peter and Thomas. If you remember or you know anything about Peter, 
He is the one who betrays Jesus not one time, but three times. And he weeps bitterly at his failure, at his his falling short. And then Jesus dies. And because you may know the other part of the story, we don't put ourselves into it. But you can imagine what he's going through thinking, man, I walked on water. I followed Jesus for three and a half years. And when I was needed most, I fell shortest. You can imagine the wrestle of the human heart that he is working through. But Peter, everyone say, but Peter. But Peter, when he heard from the women, after first not believing, somewhere between there and then he hears, he needs to hear this for himself. It says, but Peter rose and he ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. And when he saw the linen clothes by themselves, kids, even when Jesus rises from the dead, he still makes his bed. Some of you parents are going to use that this week. And can I tell you, don't use that. There's nothing biblical about what I just said. It was just a little joke. And here's what you don't want your poor child growing up in. Well, I didn't raise my, I didn't didn't make my bed, so now my parents are mad and God's mad at me. God don't care if you make your bed or not. Some of you are saying, that's a lie. He absolutely does care. Absolutely, he he does. He may not care in your house, but he cares in mine. Well... Listen, that's, that's, look, that's not my problem. Hey, we're all different. We're all different. Here's how I know it. Some of you, when we began to sing, ain't no grave gonna hold his body down, all I know is I'm not used to those beats. I'm used to like bringing in the sheaves, bringing, and, and in my whiteness, I know what to do there. And all of a sudden, the beat changed, and my feet hit the, oh, good Lord. But I watched some of you like, and you are in it. And I just watched you in amazement like, wow, must be nice for the Lord to give you rhythm. (laughs) Well, what did he give you? A compassionate heart. What what, (laughs) Not even intellect, didn't even get that, just a compassionate heart. There's one of you sitting out there right now, and you know what the Lord gave me? A compassionate heart, intellect, and rhythm. Oh, woo, woo, woo. (laughs) No, for Peter, this is the phenomenal thing. I don't know where any of that came from, but we're just going to keep moving. For Peter, Lord, I bless what you're doing, coming or going. For Peter, because Jesus died and rose again, his final moment in following is not his failure. It is that he is forgiven. And I want to tell you today that your final moment in following Jesus does not have to be unbelief, doubt, or failure. It can be because of a bloodstained cross and a tomb that is empty, forgiven. Another pastoral loving warning in this moment would be for Thomas who doubts, I want you to know that doubt does not terrify Jesus. Actually doesn't concern him whatsoever. But loved ones, be careful where you go and be careful to whom you go with your doubts. Because Jesus, when he meets Thomas, who is doubting, Jesus seizes doubt, which could destroy or deconstruct his faith. But Jesus leads him into a moment where his faith and his following is deepened 
Doubt, again, should not be intimidating to the church, nor should it be intimidating to God, because God has a way of leading in doubt. Here's what I promise you. Do not take your doubts to Facebook. That is not a healthy place to go. Take Where you take your doubt is as critical as having doubt in the first place. Take it to Jesus and watch what he can do. Some of you are under the age of a certain age, and you don't even know what Facebook is. Well, okay, Instagram, Snapchat, or TikTok, whatever it is that you're doing right now, which I have no idea and shouldn't be on. You see, Easter is this story of the work of the cross. Jesus pays the penalty for our sin. And the resurrection of Jesus gives us victory over sin. And so Easter is both rescue and redemption. It is equally touched as it is transformed. And Good Friday is the joy of sin forgiven. And Waiting Saturday is the trust that even when God is silent, God is still working. But Easter Sunday is the hope of sin, death, and hell conquered. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead remains a power unlike any other yet loved ones. His power is not the only power active in the world today. Be careful which power you root your heart within because there's only one king who courageously lays his down because only one king could raise it back up to conquer sin, Satan, death, hell, and the grave. And so loved ones, following Jesus is not evacuation. It is not just holding on till Jesus brings me home. I want you to know that one day, yeah, he'll bring all of us home. But before that day, between this day and that day, he desires you, the spiritual gifts, the, everything he has given you that you would use to serve others so that they could too have the hope that you have. It's not just wait till I'm with Jesus. It's there's work to be done, saints. Following Jesus is not the denial of reality. It's not fake it till you make it. It's not what faith is. What makes the Easter story so revolutionary, again, is it contains all the things that break our heart or may cause us to lose hope, whether they are betrayal, loss, injustice, pain, wounds, confusion, disappointment, and hope deferred. These are all real, but because of and through the work of Jesus, through the bloodstained cross and the empty tomb, all of these are felt by humanity, but they are not final. Sin can be forgiven. Betrayal can be redeemed. His, by his wounds, we can be healed. I want you to know that the story of Easter is individual in scope, that it matters what is going on in your heart and life. But I also want you to know that the story of Easter is much bigger than you and it's much bigger than me. It is a grand, grand story. You know, when we look at our world today, we see injustice, whether it is within gender or whether it is even within race. You see injustice. You see inequality. And these things matter to God, so they must matter to us. And as we sang so profoundly a moment ago, ain't no grave going to hold my body down. But I want you to know that if you look around right now in this room, that it should be this little microcosm picture of heaven because when our bodies are raised, beloved, we are not some homogeneous, all look the same because we each one are created in the image and the likeness of God. And so the scripture says that even in heaven, it is every tribe, it is every kindred, it is every tongue, it is every race, it is every ethnicity because it is the sin and fallen, broken parts of our world that create inequality through sin, sin, human hearts and sinful hearts. But in Christ, all of this is going to be made new. 
it is not just a small story. It is an expansive story that we as a culture are engaging with one another today. So the Easter is the story of God doing for us what we could never do on our own. Now a little creative license, please, as I close. Romans chapter 8 says this, if God, everyone say if God, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but give him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall separate us, his followers, the body of Christ, from the love of Christ? Shall COVID or vaccinations or persecution or famine or nakedness or politics or sword? That is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No! In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else on this earth and all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if this is how God loves us, let us wean ourselves off of hate and destroying one another and let us work on loving one another even though we are different, loving one another the way God loves us. Church, enough is enough with the division. <laughs> Fellow believers and those who don't know Christ are not props for your point. They are people to be loved. Oh, may we be known by those who love others, even different from us. So here's the final thing that I know. People can only say yes or no if they are asked. And one thing I don't want you to walk out of this church is that I wasn't asked. Do you wish to begin following Jesus? Do you wish to follow Jesus again? If so, you can even do this at home. Let's stand and pray together. And it would be my honor to lead you in prayer. Together, let's all pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Forgive me of my sin and heal my heart. Help me be more like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to invite you back next Sunday. Because next Sunday we're going to talk about the most important spiritual discipline you need in your life. We're going to start talking about prayer. And so if you want to hear a different message other than Resurrection Sunday, <laughs> come back next week. You ready to sing one more time before we go? Let's sing. <laughs>